Welcome back to Nach Iyami. We are now continuing with the fifth parak of Sefer Shoftim. This is the parak of Shiras Devorah, the song of Devorah, which is usually actually the Haftarah for Parshas Beshalach, as is arranged in the same structure of Psukim with gaps in between all the lines, like Azyashir in the Torah. This song is, um, is divided really, uh, just one way of thinking about it, is into seven sections. And each section really gives it a different perspective on what's happened in the narrative. The narrative told us certain details of the story. That The song is going to fill in a lot of those gaps. So we have a more filled out experience of what really happened in that battle. The first section is really just an introduction to the greatness of Hashem. You know, it's just talking about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all-powerful, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu controls nations, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu really destroys and uplifts as, and controls nature. That's the first section. We're not going to get into the specific details of, well, of what it is that Hashem is doing this section, but very, very poetic, very beautiful description of Hashem. Then we move into the next section, starting in Pasuk Vav, where it talks, into what was, it talks about what is actually going on at the time in Israel. So it describes an interesting detail we didn't know. It says, What it means is that at the times of Shamgar, Shamgar was the previous Shofet to, to Devorah and Barak. It says people would walk in crooked ways. People would avoid the roads. Why would they avoid the roads? So the Mepharshim explained because they were in fear. They were in fear of being preyed upon by their enemies, by looters, by the lawlessness of society, or the in-law against their, uh, the Israelites, which means that there was a, a certain sense of fear. You know, it sort of takes us back to you know, pre-1967, you know, the Galil, when the Syrians controlled the Golan Heights and they were sniping down. There was this fear in the air, what we're talking about I mean, at this time. We didn't get this necessarily from the narrative itself, but now we're seeing from a, a secondary perspective what was really going on. Even during the previous Shofet's time, it seems clear that things were deteriorating before they even before the, the, this, this whole episode of Yavin and Sisra even started. And it talks about how Barak and um, Devorah um, arrived at sort of the salvation. In this section, she describes herself as Am. Um, um, Devorah is called Aim. She calls herself the mother of Israel. Um, she comes to Aim be Israel and describing herself, which some of the Farshim say she was, she was punished for, even in a prophetic description of describing herself so all-powerfully. Very fascinating balance between power and self-description uh, self, um, here. In the third section, Devorah now addresses the people who came and the people who did not come. Devorah was a very powerful leader. She pulled together everybody, but not exactly everybody came. She talks about how Ephraim, Binyamin, Machir, Zavulun, Yisachar all arrived despite all their personal concerns and, and their, we'll call it, state co um, issues going on. They all came together for the, for the federal army of Israel against these nations. But then she turns around and she says, Ruvain, Dan, Machir, what's, what's going on over here? Why didn't you come? Asher, why, why were you settled down in your, in, in your places? Why were you listening to your sheep and, and going out to sea when we were actually, when everybody else was going to battle? She, she, she calls them out for not being part of this unified battle um, um, that she waged. The next section, the fourth section, starts on Pasuk Yates, where she talks about the miracles that actually occurred in this battle. We have very little details about the actual battle that took place against the, um, the Canaanites, but here we talk about an interesting thing. She talks about nach, uh, she talks about stars moving out of their way, so there's sort of new star, uh, star alignments to protect or fight um, um, for Israel. And it says, Nachal Kishon, Nachal Kedumim, Nachal Kishon. 
um, she talks about how the, this valley, or the, sorry, this river of Kishon swept them away. Rashi and many of the Farshim say that what actually happened over here is, is this is a description of a supernatural thing, that as they came, as they came, the, the chariots and the horsemen, the cavalry entered the brook of Kishon, the brook itself turned into an army and wiped them away. For those people who are Lord of the Rings fans, J.R.R. Tolkien must have got it from somewhere. This is where he got it from, in Perak Hay in Sefer Shoftim, where the river turns into an army itself of, of horsemen wiping them away. It turned into boiling water. They couldn't put their feet down. This is part of the description of the miracles that were going on in this battle, which we didn't actually see necessarily in the narrative itself. We move on to the fifth section of the song, which is starting in Pasuk Choftalad, where we now have a description about Yael's actions, and she gives great time to describe poetically how Yael took leadership, not just took leadership, but how Yael, in fact, brought about the end of Sisra. Interestingly enough, we add, an interesting description is added over here in which she describes the, the following sentence. She says, Bain raglea kora nafal shachav, bain raglea kora nafal. He lay between her legs. She, he was crouching there. It's a description of her, you know, um, having killed him, and he's sort of lying there um, at her feet. But the Mepharshim say, you know, the, the description repeats itself three times over um, to give us an innuendo that the way that she took power over him was in fact by seduction. So this wasn't so much necessarily just Yael being able to overcome him. She actually she um, she sacrificed herself to a certain degree to be able to. Uh, to be able to put him into a vulnerable position. And um, this, this gives us a, a, new, a nuanced perspective of the sacrifice that Yael took for the sake of the battle, for the sake of Israel. And in fact, Chazal goes so far as to say that the child which she bore from this relationship was ultimately had a, had a very interesting outcome. The Gemara tells us that children's children of Sisra learned Torah in Yerushalayim, and the Gemara points out that it was none other than Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva, the sage, one of the teacher of all the teachers of Torah Shabbat Peh that we have today, was as a function of this relationship, the sacrifice that she made. The sixth and, um, section of this song talks about another woman, the third woman in the saga. There was Devora, there was Yael, and now there's the Aim sister on the other side, how she looks out the window and she starts to whimper and she starts to groan and cry as she realizes her son is not coming back. While she's doing this, her her courtiers and her maidservants are busy saying to her, don't worry, he's just going and he's killing and he's raping and he's, and he's pillaging and he's taking more, uh, more scars for his, for his neck. Um, and they're trying to tell her that this is just a, a, a more involved battle and that's why he's not coming back. Fascinatingly enough, the Malbim says that what they were trying to say is the following. She saw an image of her son with red around his neck. She had the image. She knew that there was something happening to her son. Why? Because, in fact, he had been killed by Yael. What, the, what these ladies-in-waiting were doing was they were trying to transmute that vision into something which was much less concerning. They were saying, you know what the red is? He was probably stealing more scarves from battle. He was putting all these, you know, the silk and uh, the, the red silk that he was getting from the battle. They were trying to translate that vision into something much safer for, yeah, for, for the mother of sister. Of course, it didn't help. It, the the Gezeira was already sealed and he died in this battle. And finally, in the seventh and last section of the song, uh, the, the song ends very powerfully. Kain Yovdu Kolevech Hashem. Says Devorah, let all your enemies die in this way. Let his, those who love him go out in strength 
like the sun, which reaches its climax of heat and power, and there was a 40-year reprieve in which Devorah was in control. One last comment on this entire parak, because this is a very, very meaty parak, and that is the following. We see over here already the hairline fracture of what's going to be the problem in Sefer Shoftim. We see already that not everybody comes together. Some, some of the Shvatim come to the fight, some of them are minding their own business. What does Devorah do? She calls them out in the song. She says, you didn't come, everybody else did. We're going to see later on that this is going to, this hairline fracture is going to turn into a crack and then it's going to turn into a gap. As later on, when certain tribes join and certain tribes don't join, it's going to create first strife and then civil war and ultimately carnage. That is going to be one of the, the underlying factors of the failure of Sefer Shoftim. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.